Great summer, and I, I felt like last Sunday was another one of those great days, and I was such a, on such a high after last Sunday and the great services we had together as, as we talked about our relationships with each other. And so I got home after a long night and was just checking my Facebook, and on my computer it sort of flashed up, you know, that I'd gotten some, some emails, and uh, there was one email that flashed up that said, from a lady named Marcia, said, visited Landmark this morning. So I immediately thought, I'd like to see, um, see what she said. So let me, let me read to you Marcia's quick e- email. <clears throat> uh, my husband and I visited Landmark at the 1030 service. Just want to let you know your sermon was awesome. So you can go ahead and tell it's a very intelligent woman who's writing this email. We attend the Beeline Church of Christ in so-and-so city in Alabama. Our grandson met you a few weeks ago in Athens. He'll be returning to Faulkner in two weeks as a sophomore. Hope you guys can connect. And then she writes, To our surprise, not one person spoke or greeted us, dot, 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 disturbing We attend a church of about a thousand on Sunday. We have an amazing welcome there. We will visit the nine o'clock service the next time. Your sister in Christ, Marsha. Well, I I quickly emailed her back and said, Marsha, I'm sorry to tell you, but we only have non-Christians in the 1030 service. And so (laughs) they probably didn't perform very, some of you believe that. They probably didn't perform very well, but I was so embarrassed and I hate when we get those because we know the way we greet one another is actually, it's critical. We went to a seminar this week on leadership and says, in your encounter with people, the first 10 seconds determines how the encounter is going to go. And I've seen studies about churches that say, within the first 10 minutes, it's like dating. Within the first 10 minutes, someone who comes to church decides whether they want to come back or not. And so believe it or not, the Bible has a lot to say about this issue of greeting. We're looking at five texts today. They're very repetitious. You know, if we believe today that repetition is the best teacher, then our teacher must be trying to teach us something today. Let me just go through these passages in the New Testament, starting in Romans 16, verse 16. Greet one another with a holy kiss. 1 Corinthians 16, 20. Repetition. Greet one another with a holy kiss. 2 Corinthians 13. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Finally, we get to 1 Thessalonians. He varies it a little bit. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. And then Peter varies it some more in 1 Peter chapter 5. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Now, we might be a little uncomfortable with those verses. It reminds me of the little boy in, in Prince's Bride. If you've watched that incredible movie, there's sort of a story within a story. And part of the story is about this little boy who's sick, and his grandfather's trying to take care of him and trying to cheer him up. And so his grandfather tells him, I'm going to read you this book. And in this book, you know, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be violence and there's going to be revenge and there's going to be giants. And he, I mean, he builds the book up to be really, really something spectacular, dramatic action. But they get in the book and it's, it's really about love, as they say, true love. And the little boy is not too happy. And he says to his granddad, I don't like a kissing book. 
And today, you're getting the kissing sermon. And I imagine there's some of you already saying, I don't want a kissing sermon. You've already made me uncomfortable just reading those five verses. You know, this whole idea of of the holy kiss is something foreign to us. If you're an introvert here today, you've already been uncomfortable in our service when we did the greeting. How many of you, just be honest, how many of you do not like the greeting period? Now, I've been asking some of my introvert friends, the one I have, um, this week. (laughs) And and he said to me, he said, you know, I turn around and I say hello to a few people, and then I don't know what next to say. I don't know the question to ask. I don't know if the conversation needs to go deeper. And I just sit there waiting on Wes to start the singing. Any of you feel that way? Sometimes we feel that way because it's uncomfortable for us to, to, to greet. And especially when you run into that member, you hardly know who is the, the front hugger. You know that person that grabs you, you know, in your clutches and your face is about this close, you know? And you're thinking, how do I get away? And now Buddy comes up and says, our theme today is to kiss one another. And you're worried that you're sitting by a biblical literus. You know, in Churches of Christ, you've had a slogan for a long time. We are to do Bible, we are to call Bible things with Bible names and do Bible things in Bible ways. And so you're scared you're beside someone who says, okay, the Bible said kiss. I'm going to kiss you today before you get out of here. Now, let's, before we just pass over that lightly, let's, let's do say something, say there is something to this. You know, not, not only do we have five commands here, you know, in, in our tradition, if you had a command and you put an example with it, it was binding. <laughs> Listen to all the kissing going on in the Bible. Jacob kissed his father. Esau kissed Jacob. Joseph kissed his brothers. Aaron kissed Moses. Moses kissed Jethro. David kissed Jonathan. The father in that amazing scene kissed the prodigal son. A lot of kissing going on. And that's why one of the kissing scenes in the Bible stands out as so absolutely tragic. When Judas betrays Jesus with what? A kiss. It's awful. Because a kiss meant something. There's still places in the world, you've probably been there, where they greet each other with a kiss on a cheek or two kisses on a cheek, depending on the culture. And and so there's something to this greeting. We know that. And he says this, I love the word he uses, it's a holy kiss. Well, what he was trying to distinguish here, first of all, it, it's not a sensual, sexual kind of kiss we're talking about here. It's holy. But it's also holy in that it's distinctive. The way we greet each other is the way, is different than the way we would greet someone who didn't know Jesus. Now we understand this. We understand what happens when that greeting is absent and you visit the church and no one speaks to you. Or you walk into a room and the host doesn't even get up and say a word to you. Or you pass by someone in a hall at the office and you speak to them and they don't speak back. We get our feelings hurt. And we also know the beauty when it's present. When you walk in a room and someone catches a glimpse of you and they immediately get up and walk across the room because they want to see you. Or that moment in your life where there were no words that would suffice 
and someone just walked over to you and put an arm around you and gave you that holy hug. When someone recognizes who you are, it's important. And that's what the Bible talks about this. And here's what I want to say to you and I today. We need a holy kiss greeting. We need it. There needs to be something different about the way we greet one another in the Lord than the way we greet other people. You understand this. You know, I greet a door-to-door salesman who comes to my house. I may shake his hand. I may be friendly. But when my children come home from college or from living away, oh, no, no, no. I I don't just meet them at the door. I meet them at the car door. I'm going to hug them. I'm not embarrassed to give them a kiss. Boy or girl. And now, you know, when they come, I skip right past them to the grandchildren. They're forgotten, all right? But, but you, we know there's a difference in the way you greet a door-to-door salesman and the way you dr- greet someone that you're in a relationship with and you're in a family with. And I think that's the challenge here. How do we do that? I mean, we're, we're talking here about building community. Many of you are old enough or you grew up in small town where everybody greeted everybody. You remember that? If you're riding down the road, you just pass in your trucks. You've been there. If they know you, there's a wave. At a minimum, there's a nod. If they're not sure if you're there from there or not, they just lift their finger off the steering wheel. But it's expected in that kind of community that everybody greets everybody. And we, we miss that sense of community. That's what we're preaching about all these weeks, is we're missing a sense of community. People aren't finding it in our culture. My question this morning is, will they find it in our church? If they don't, I don't know they'll find it. I don't know if you'll find it. And so here's my question. What do we do that makes our greeting stand out? Maybe it's the holy handshake, the holy high five, the holy fist bump. The holy side hug, the holy chest bump. I don't know what it ought to be, but I want to say to you, what's different? When you're at a restaurant in town and a brother and sister in Christ comes by, what do you say? How do you greet them? I I miss this about old times. We used to do what? We'd say, "This this is Brother Holiday. This is Brother Connor. Those were, those were warm terms. We've lost that. The only person we use that far is the preacher when we're mad at him, all right? Brother Bell should not have said that today. The only person who greeted me that way, and today we mourn his passing, is David Goodson. And David would show up here for our 8 o'clock prayer meeting on Sundays, and when I'd walk down the aisle, he'd say, um, Brother Buddy Bell! Come give me a hug. Then you'd be enveloped. You know, David had his ups and downs. We all had our ups and downs, but that man knew how to love you. We'd come a long way from the first time he'd come here and he walked forward wanting to place membership right there. And I said to him, I said, David, I said, we're thrilled you want to be a part of our church, but you first need to go through Landmark 101. That didn't go over very well. He said, buddy, if I can't become a member today, forget you, forget Landmark, forget God. I'm out of here. I'm like, you can be a member anytime you want to, David. (laughs) We all have our ups and downs. But there's something special about the greetings of brothers and sisters in Christ. I ask you, what is your holy kiss? 
What did you do this morning to let people know, man, I'm, I'm not glad just to meet under the same ceiling with you. I'm glad we're part of a family together. Now, here's what I believe the real issue is, guys. The more I study this, the real issue is not the holy kiss. That can come natural. The real issue is do we have holy relationships? You, you see, when the relationship is holy, what does that mean? It's different. It's other. It's set apart. When I listen to what we studied a couple of weeks ago from Romans chapter 12, where Paul says we are to be devoted to one another, we're to even give preference to one another. When the relationships we have in the body of Christ are unlike any other relationships we have, they are holy to us, they are meaningful, they are deep, then nobody's got to force you with the holy kiss. It comes natural. And all this has to do with the depth of our relationship leading to the display of affection. When the early church fathers, Augustine, wrote this, those early Christians demonstrated their inward peace with each other with their outward kiss. The outward kiss was a result of the peaceful, joyful relationships they had with each other. Now, here's our problem today, guys. We can't get there with an hour on Sunday morning. We, we can't have the kind of fellowship that we're talking about that would naturally display itself with affection and expression. And that's why we make such a big deal about small groups. And I know what some of you are saying right now. I've heard it said. I'm so tired of you talking about small groups, buddy. We've been doing this all summer. When are you going to stop saying this? I'm just tired of it. Let me say you, tell you who ought to be tired. God ought to be tired of us talking about this and not acting on this. God ought to be tired of him giving his son to bleed for a community that's a family, that's a fellowship, that's more than just a bunch of people meeting under a roof together. God's probably tired of us not obeying him because we're afraid to get in deep relationships. God should be the one this morning who's tired because we make every other relationship in our life a priority than our relationships with our church family. When we make time for most anything else in our life but for the people that God died for. When we make time to watch all kinds of programs for hours and hours and hours, whether it's ESPN or HGTV or the Golf Channel or CNN, we can find that time. But you ask me to give a couple of hours over to build relationships with my family and I'm going to say to my preacher, I'm tired are you talking about that and what I want to say to you and I is God tired of us talking about it and what God would like us to do is God would like us to act that we become a family could we dream again of being a family of a community of our relationships being so distinctive and so wonderful they are so holy that it leads us to express it in holy ways Who do we think we are, quite frankly, that we think we get the chance to pick and choose the commands of God? That's our attitude. I'll do it. Oh, small, that's nice. We'll skip out this year. I like coming to church here. It's a cool church, but I'm not going to rearrange my schedule. Who do we think we are? This is not my church. This is not your church. It's, it's his church. 
So let's make a deal. How about that? I'll stop talking about it if we'll all start doing it. Some of you are smiling, some of you are frowning right now, okay? Let's go to chapter and read together. Romans chapter 16. Let's, let's, learn, let's learn a little bit about how we do this. There's a great chapter here. We're going to learn from the, the what I'm calling him right now the greeting minister. Romans chapter 16 is at the end of the book of Romans, and it, it seems so out of place. I mean, Romans is probably the most studied and written about book in the New Testament. It's got soaring theology for chapters and chapters. It explains the gospel of grace. Finally, far into the book, Paul gets into amazing practicality. But by the time he has written chapter 15, you think it's time to lick the stamp and put it in the envelope and send it off. But, but he adds this chapter. He adds this chapter that it looks like he just got to the end of the book and decided to walk through the church directory. And, and, and make a few comments. And you wonder why he put it. It doesn't seem to be a really strong closing. But, but let me tell you this. I think Paul was a brilliant pastor. He was a brilliant shepherd. He knew what people needed in this church was more than just a logic. They needed love. More than just brilliant theology. They need meaningful relationships. He wanted to draw them into community where the gospel of grace was lived out in real relationships. And so in the chapter 16, we won't have time to look at the whole chapter, 21 times he uses the word greet. If I, let, let's just read the first few verses and you, you'll get the idea of what Paul's doing here. Just please don't worry about my pronunciation of these names, all right? I commend you to our sister, Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Quintuki. You notice that? Pretty interesting there. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Greek, Priscilla, and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, they risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the church of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their home. Greet my dear friend, Epintus, who is the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Androkonikos and Junia, my fellow Jews, who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampletus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend, Stasius. Also, Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who are helping, or who belong to the household of Aristobus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. And then greet these two twins, Trophenia and Trophosa, whose wimp those women who work hard in the Lord. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Then there's, I love verse 13, or verse 15, no, 13. Greet Rufus, chosen the Lord, and his mother, who's been a mother to me too. I mean, it's just such an expressive chapter of greeting. And, and let me just give you some things to think about here. 
And we think about greeting one another and how we do that. Let me, first of all, there's the power of knowing names. Now, here's what's really crazy about Romans 16. Paul has never been to Rome. And yet in this chapter, he names 24 names. How does he know these guys? Obviously, from what we've read, he's been in prison with some of them. He's been on missionary journeys where he's encountered some of them. He's heard about others' ones and their faith. And yet Paul, this great Paul who had to be so busy, can remember 24 names and say, here's what I want to say to you about you. And we all know there's a great power in knowing someone's name. Someone naming your name. It's a challenge even today as we're wearing these name tags and we have these opportunities to be in class together and be in these small group meetings together that, that we greet one another and we begin to say those names and learn those names because your name is something sweet to you. You know, I, I'm fortunate that a lot of people just call people buddy. You know, and twice out of a thousand people in this church, they get it right. The most of us just, we, we need to learn names. That's special to people. Number two, the power of communicating affection. Did you, did you hear Paul share his heart here? This person's my coworker. This is my dear friend over and over again. Now understand, the book of, Ro- the, the church at Rome is having some difficulty. They're not all getting along. Some of them are keeping the Jewish special days and some of them think they're sinning by keeping the Jewish special days. Some of them are eating meat sacrifice and idol something that's abomination so he's he's had to write a lot about division and about unity and can you imagine though if you're there and, and all of a sudden you hear someone's name called Epentus, my dear friend and you've had a theological issue with him and you think the apostle paul is commending him and blessing him or, or you've not been getting along with whoever this woman is rufus's mother Maybe you just, you, you don't like her. She rubs you the wrong way. And the Apostle Paul says, I, wanna, I want you to, to greet Rufus's mother. She is, um, she's, been like a, she's been like a mother to me. Any of you that have lived away from family, you know, you know how important it is when, when you don't have grandparents where your children are being raised and somebody in the church becomes their, their grandparents and love them. We, we weren't blessed till we moved back to Montgomery to have grandparents in town. That's awesome. But I'm so thankful to be a part of a church where people played those roles when Stephanie and I were young married of mentors and, you know, uh, parents to us. And then later we had children who were grandparents to our children. And Paul says, I've experienced that. So notice just the, the affection that, that he gives. And that's what we're talking about. The idea is not whether you kiss somebody or hug somebody. The, the question is, how do you express affection to people? And then notice this, the, the power of recognizing strengths. Paul does a great job here. He talks about one couple who risked their lives for the gospel. He talks about a young man who is the, the first convert in Asia. Later, he talks about someone who obviously had been through a tough time. He says their fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Because there's something about greeting someone and mentioning their strengths. I went to preach a few weeks ago at a church in Paducah, Kentucky. And I was walking in the building with one of the, actually he was one of the deacons. He was charged their small group ministry. 
And, and we were walking through the building. He's introducing me to someone. He says, here's brother so-and-so. He's been an elder in this church for 30 years. He served so well. Oh, here's Joe here. He works our sound system. You won't believe the kind of time he puts in this. Oh, here's Sister Myra here. About two years ago, she battled cancer. But by the grace of God, she's been healed. And now she's helping people that are battling cancer. And wow, here's our youth minister over here. I can't tell you how the kids love him. I mean, everybody we ran into, he greeted with a commendation of what they were doing. I left that encounter thinking, my, this man loves this church. He knows the people of this church. He knows what's going on in their life. And there's something special when we introduce people to people and we're able to say, well, can, I can't believe what they do. We have, I mean, I could walk through this audience right now and do the same thing he did with you. Because so many of you serve in such incredible roles. And all of us could use that encouraging word where someone recognizes what we do. Where, you know, I'm back in the nursery almost every other quarter, and somebody says, you know, you won't believe the sacrifice she makes. Her children are grown. She doesn't even have children back in the nursery. And she's back there every other quarter. Recognizing strengths. And then one, one more thing here it is the power of giving a touch. There's just the power of physical touch. We all know that. We've been there when someone, you know, in the middle of something tense, reached out with a hand just to hold our hand. When someone who knew you were going through a tough time put their their hand on your shoulder. Because most communication is nonverbal. It's it's through expression. When, when someone walks in the room, do you light up? You're in the restaurant and there's a brother or sister from Landmark comes in and your face immediately lights up and go, man, that's my family. Do we give that touch? Most of us are familiar with Dr. Kent Brantley. He was that doctor who contacted Ebola in uh, Africa and almost died and remember he was flighted over to Emory University and he was the first one to go through this special treatment and he, he lived and I don't know if you remember his, the press conference when he's being released from the hospital he stands up and he tells his story and he gives all the glory to Christ and then I think something happened really significant, I don't know if it's scripted or not but standing behind him were all his doctors and nurses and after he made this statement they all came up and embraced him and hugged him I think it was not only a term of affection for him, but it was saying to the rest of us, it's safe to love this man. We know the power of a touch. I imagine you can think of someone who just put a hand on your shoulder, on your knee, at just the right time when you needed that touch, and it meant so much to you. And I think that's what our, our, our lesson here is about is we need to get close enough to each other, know each other well enough, that we know how to give that touch when words won't work. Because you never forget those things. You never forget when someone embraces you. One of my favorite people in Montgomery for years, she passed away about a year ago, was Elizabeth Smith. How many of you knew Elizabeth Smith? You look up the word character in the dictionary and her picture's there, okay? She'd been around Montgomery a long time. If any of you are old enough to remember Urban Renewal downtown, she led that effort. Now, we've since tore it all down, but she led that effort. And she loved Faulkner University. 
And after her husband had died, she just gave herself to that university and lived out there on campus and probably raised more money than anybody. And she's just one of those people, she'd say anything anywhere, but she loved her. She could get by with saying anything. Right, Billy? She could do it. And I don't know whatever, but when I moved back here, for some reason, she embraced me. And, and she was just so kind to me. And, and we used to periodically eat lunch together and through the years. And she just was so kind. Every, every friend day, she said, now, when friend day's coming to Landmark, now, I can't go to Landmark because I paid for this church over here. But, <laughs> but when you have friend day, I want to be there. So every friend day, she'd show up with somebody. I love that woman. And a couple years ago, when she was dying with cancer, Right about a month before she died, she called me up. And she said, I want us to go to lunch one more time. So I went on campus and I picked her up. And I get her, I get her in the car. And she said, buddy, I said, I said where do you want to go eat? We can go anywhere you want to go eat. We are going to the local preacher's meeting. I said, Elizabeth, I stopped going to that years ago. I said, they weren't really, really happy I was there, <laughs> and I wasn't so happy they were there. <laughs> no one was ever ugly. No one ever said anything ugly. It was just obvious it was not a good fit. I said, Elizabeth, I'm, you know, Elizabeth, let's go anywhere else. Nope, nope, we're going to the preacher's meeting. You're going to me, and you can't argue with her. So we drove right over to the little room, and we got out. And we walked in this room, and there's all the local Church of Christ preachers, really a wonderful group of people. I'm not saying anything bad about them. And we walk in that room, and she's got her arm around my waist. And she's just hugging on me, and she's introduced. This is Buddy Bell. You know, I, I love going to Lambert to hear him preach. I'm, and they're looking at her like, Are, have you lost it, Elizabeth, you know, in these later years? And she makes sure that I sit right beside her at the table. And I'm recognizing what's going on. She wanted those men to know she was okay with me. She didn't really care about going to the preacher's meeting. She just wanted to publicly say, I like this guy. And I'm just sitting there thinking, wow, what a woman. And then one of the brothers starts leading a prayer. And she reaches under the table and she grabs my hand and she holds it for dear life. I will never, ever forget that. She didn't have to do it. Probably hurt her reputation. <laughs> you don't forget that. Because I'm going to tell you what you will forget. You're going to forget the hours of TV you watch on Sunday night instead of going to a small group. You're going to forget the hours you spend on Saturdays going to a ball game that's going to mean nothing. You're going to forget all the time you waste going through Facebook and Twitter and whatever. I mean, I'm not saying any of those things are bad or none of us should do those things. But let me tell you, my friends, in the long run in life, those things will all be forgettable. But you will never forget the spiritual friendship you make of the person who knows the right moment to reach out a hand and to hold your hand and say, I want you to know I like you. I love you. And I'm not ashamed 
when you walk in church to let you know it. And I'm not ashamed when you walk in the restaurant to embrace you because there's something holy about this relationship. So holy, I'm ready in whatever way I can do it to give you a holy kiss. This morning, we're going to sing our song of invitation. And today, if you need a touch, if you need someone to hug you, if you need someone to embrace you, if you need to confess a sin, if you need to talk about a struggle, if you need a family, please hear what I'm saying here this morning. We want this to go beyond these walls. We're so glad that you're here. But we would be disobedient to God if we said, this is enough. It's not. We want you to build relationships. If you need that today, why don't you come while we stand together and sing.